0: This, this, this is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys
1: headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys
0: select TD Lamb. Oh, and now, your hosts, Brian Broadis, David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, and Kyle Yeomans. It's
2: underneath 40 days, 37 days till the NFL Draft as we continue to count you down and get you ready for it, investigating and educating here on the Draft Show presented by Miller Lite. Glad you're with us here on this Tuesday edition as we've got Brian Broaddus, Bucky Brooks, the great David Hellman, I'm Kyle Yeomans, and gentlemen, for the first time, We might have a medical alert. If we had a medical alert drop that just sent sirens going off and things going crazy and and the sound just to kind of get everybody's attention, now would be the time to hit it. I don't think we have one of those. But major medical news, and we're going to hit it right off the top to start things off on the draft show because I don't think there's any other way we could hit it. But Caleb Farley, huge draft prospect out of the cornerback position and a potential Cowboys target, having back surgery prior to the season and should miss a little bit of time, especially missing his pro day. So that's the news that has come down. Of course, Adam Schefter was the one that first reported it on Monday afternoon. We've had a little bit of time now to react to it, but Brian, whenever you first heard the news, what was your initial reaction whenever it comes to Farley and Opt Out, who now has some potential back issues?
3: Yeah, this is something that, uh, you know, that teams knew about that he missed some games uh, before. You know, in 2019, the last couple of games, he had had a similar procedure. He's got some pressure in that lower back that he has to uh, release and yeah, this is not a good thing. This is not a good sign. And when you start to ask the trainers and doctors around the league yesterday afternoon like I did, they were saying, listen. I mean, the longevity questions come into play here now, you know, and and where are you with with that? Are you willing to say, okay, he's just that much of a talented player that we're going to put that aside, we're going to play him and just manage the back as we go? Talking to doctors and trainers again, they've said that this is something that could be taken care of with rehab. Uh, but they've also said, hey, there's been some good cases. There have also been some bad cases of this. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's really unfortunate because, again, this is a player that a lot of people had, including myself, as a target for the Dallas Cowboys. He was cornerback number one for me. And now this gives you a little bit of a pause uh, as you uh, as you go forward here in this process.
4: Yeah, it makes it really, really difficult when you're looking At him uh, to say because you already alluded to the fact that he missed games in 2019. He sits out all of 2020. We won't get a chance to see him with his pro day and those things, and we don't know how long this is going to impact him in terms of getting back on the field. I think what you have to end up doing is you have to put a star on his tag, you have to get the medical, you have to get your doctors to weigh in, but I certainly believe that he is dinged um, when it comes to the process. I, I don't believe you can seriously entertain taking him at 10 and I think it comes up with the doctors when you can mitigate the risk reward value with him as a prospect. Just to, I guess to wrap that up, this is probably the most important
1: and the the spot where we in the media are at the biggest disadvantage is with the medicals because we're hearing about this because Caleb Farley needs to have a procedure done right now. But I guarantee you all these teams, you know, they, they knew about his past it's something they've looked into. It's something that comes up on the screens at the NFL combine every year. That's why this usually, you know, these types of things happen at the combine. Um, you know, in a normal year where you don't have COVID, this is something where your own doctors would take a look if you came to your facility. And we just, by and large, we're not going to have access to 99% of that. I remember having a conversation with somebody, uh, you know, one of the previous draft cycles. I don't want to name the player, but the guy had a medical condition that never made it to the media that teams knew about, and it dinged his draft stock understandably so, uh, if you're worried about his longevity or his ability to be available. And it's just the type of stuff that we don't have access to. Uh, So in the case of Caleb Farley, we do, because he needs to have a procedure right now. But, you know, this is the type of thing that you've got to worry about and you've got to have your hands around when you're talking about spending big draft picks. And, you know, it sucks, but I, I agree with what Bucky just said, that uh, you know, I hope Caleb Farley has a super long career, and I don't mm-hmm. know how far he falls because everything I've heard is that he'll be available for training camp. But it seems like a good guess that he's going to fall at least a little bit because of this.
3: Yeah, Kyle, and, and guys, the the thing that you and uh, in, in talking to some scouts, and I know Bucky does the same thing. He works the phones. Dave's got his guys. He talks to. Uh, it's a mess right now for these uh, for these scouts. The medical information. I talked to a team the other day that says this is an absolute mess, and you know, and, and you know, they're hitting these pro days and trying to gather information. How do you get medical information with HIPAA laws and all that stuff going on? I mean, this is difficult on this team, and you're making an investment uh, in these players, and it reminds me so much of the '98 draft that we had in Philadelphia with Jeremiah Trotter. You know, our doctor in Philly had. Listen, he said, Brian, I can't tell you, this guy could play 10 games or 10 years. you know. And I give Jeff Lurie, the owner, a lot of credit. He's like, listen, guys, if we like this guy enough, let's take him. Now, it was a third-round grade. It was a third-round get. But still, those are the types of decisions that these teams are going to have to make on these medical uh, as they get more information. Whenever it came out yesterday about the Caleb
2: Farley news, Drew Rosenhaus's agent said he noted a late July return for Caleb Farley. Cowboys have had their own experience with it. This is a tweet from Calvin Watkins, by the way. Cowboy, Cowboys have had their own experience with this type of surgery that Farley is undergoing. Tony Romo had the exact same surgery. So, I mean, if that strikes fear into you, I, I think it does to me a little bit whenever it comes to taking him at 10. But, Brian, you talked about how he was your, your corner one. You're not alone in that fact. A lot of people had Kayla Farley as their corner one. Is he still there, or are you pushing him down the board a little bit if you were in that draft room?
3: Yeah, you know, Bucky's going to hate me for this, and Dave's going to hate me for this. I'll fight for the kid. I'll fight <laughs> for the kid. And you know what? And I'll, you know, if it's something that my medical staff feels comfortable with, I'm not going to be an idiot scout and walk in there and say, we've got to take this guy, we've got to take this guy. But if it's something that we have a history with and we're comfortable with, I, I think that the consideration is still there. Now, if you tell me that, hey, listen, there's there's some there's some cases where this hasn't gone well, and we do worry about the longevity of the player. You know, I I, I think there is concern. I'm not going to be that stupid, but you know, I, I can understand where I can understand where guys like Bucky, who has Sertan up there at number one. This is his opportunity to say, listen, let's take the healthy guy. Let's take the guy that's been playing. You know, Let's take the clean guy. You know, When you're picking 10th overall, though, you don't want that mistake. You don't want anything hanging over your head. So this is clear ammunition for those guys that want another <laughs> player or another position there. Hmm. And you know what? I could fight him to a point, but I can't fight him all the way like if he was completely healthy.
4: So... Cal, for your question, when you're talking about rankings and grades, yeah. I wouldn't, it wouldn't impact my grade at all. Like You still grade the player for who the player is and then I think you have to let the medical team undress him in terms of uh, what we can utilize him and what kind of tags and stickers we put on the card and those things. So I think you still have to talk about him as if he's a healthy prospect mm-hmm. and then you'll let um, those that may be above our pay grade handle that when it comes to the medical. I think What typically happens in these situations, you typically are docked maybe a round or two, depending on how severe it is. So if we're thinking about him at 10, I think earliest consideration would be in the second round if it's severe, and it may even drop down into the third round. And so then it comes down to how comfortable are you taking on a player who has this issue? Because Dallas has had familiarity with it. Tony Romo, I want to say another player had a similar surgery On the Cowboys in the past But with Tony Romo and understanding And understanding what comes along with it And do they have a plan to get a player uh, Up and running and being able to play And how to manage it as he's going through his career If they have a plan and they feel confident about it I think you can take him and you get him at the right value
1: So what you're telling me Is that if he's there At 44, the Cowboys are going to Make him their their big Gamble pick because we know they love doing that Yep
3: yeah, no, that's, yeah, they've, they've taken, the history shows you that with Jerry Jones. I, I believe Bucky might be referring to Tank Lawrence. You know, Tank has had some back issues and stuff like that that he's had to deal with as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's, we understand this team will take a risk on a medical player. Look with, look with Jalen Smith. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if they take Jalen Smith unless Dr. Cooper does the surgery. If Dr. Cooper doesn't do the surgery, I, I don't know. But if you listen to Will McClay talk about that, like Bucky was telling you, they had his tag right there where it was like a blinking light for them. That that gave them, in their mind, it was like, we got to the second round, let's go. That's our guy, let's go with it. And you know they, they didn't share the same feeling that a lot of other, I mean, a lot of other teams didn't have that same feeling about this guy. So this team is, they will see value in medical risks whether Don't it's forget. right or wrong whether it's right or wrong that's what they yeah. do
1: they did it with Sean Lee as well, yep. so yeah. I mean, it's it's not just a one-off. So
2: no, they've done it time and time again. But Bucky, when you're, you're talking about grading the player specifically to a healthy prospect, and then you have those stickers on there, the worry the worrisome thing for me is that I think you put two stickers on Farley. You put past history of injuries in. I mean, maybe three stickers. Then the surgery, and then the opt out, because there's those three things right there that already worry me enough. To where you look across to your board with a very similarly graded player, at least on my board in Patrick Sertan, that's the difference maker. That's the difference for me. And and, and I see that you're saying that already by pushing him down to 44. I think at 44 you would be a great pick, depending on who you pick in the first round. But is that enough for teams to knock him that far? Because I still think somebody would be willing to maybe take a chance on him earlier than just 44.
4: I don't know. I, I mean, you talk about a lot of money, and you, you just listed off a, a laundry list of issues that you, you're worried about. True. The opt out, the 2019, the season prematurely ending, and now we have the back surgery. Like, that's, that's a lot. I think what you're trying to do, the reason outside the first round, is just because the money changes. Like, it changes significantly in terms of the guarantees and those things. Mm-hmm. And so, if you, quote unquote, throw away a second round pick, You can live with that. But what you don't want to do is, and Brian will tell you, whatever, like you don't want to give away first-round picks. In the first round, you can't have major swings and misses. And if he's unable to play and unable to give you any of what you thought, then that's a major miss. In the first round, it's about, man, just hit singles and doubles. If you can just get him on base and make sure that he's a solid starter and if he can give you more, that's great. In the second round, you can swing for the fences because, A, hey, no one's going to pick you apart because your second rounder doesn't materialize and become an all-star or those things. And so that's why you've seen it where Jalen Smith was in the second round. I think Charlie Lee was in the third round, maybe. Was Charlie Lee a th- second, Sean, was second? Yeah, second. Second. he was yeah.
1: 55 overall, I think.
4: Yeah, yeah so, so that's second. So we're already talking about where he goes. So you talk about the blinking light. If he gets into a situation in the second round, if he's still on the board, then you begin to talk, okay, is it worth going up to get him even though he has these other factors? Because we're talking about a guy who has a top 15 grade, someone who we we're saying can be a number one corner in this league. And so it's about risk-reward, and so you're just trying to mitigate it.
3: Yeah, what's going to happen, guys, is and Bucky knows this too, is that when you're sitting in that room and that tag is up there and it's your time to pick, you have to compare him to, okay, he's going to be on your board in the first round. What second-round grades do you have now? What players, what tags do you have left? And that's where the risk is. You're going to say, okay, we've got a first-round grade on this guy. We know the issues. The minute he gets drafted by somebody, the first thing they're going to say on the NFL network is, here's a first-round player that got picked here because of a back, a question about his back. Yeah. That, that's, that's what's going to happen and that that's immediately that's going to be the thing that's going to follow this player the rest of his career You know whether his back holds up and it's a 10 12 year career Or that he's a guy that every year he has to get something done to his back in order to play those are the questions you have to ask yourself uh, when you're going forward and making this pick
1: Now All right, let me take you unnecessarily far down the rabbit hole because obviously, like, this is ridiculous, but I'm just curious. Do you think the Cowboys could try to, like, use, like, strategize that, basically? Is like, hope that Caleb Farley does fall to you and you can make him that pick. Mm. And then. Now you could use number ten to not address cornerback and hope that that works out for you. Plus, I mean, there are obviously other cornerbacks is, that could fall to you at forty-four anyway. This is one of the questions I was going to
2: have I, as well because whenever you looked at the, the the trio where it was Sertan, it was Farley, or it was Patrick Slater, or excuse me, Rashawn Slater at pick number ten. Now that it's just a choice between the two, if he falls, I mean, is that something that the Cowboys could be interested in, Brian?
3: Yeah, I, I think they're You know, and that's a great question because. But let me tell you where I think to answer Dave's question mm-hmm. first. And Bucky knows this as well. When you're a, a, every team is member of a pod, and you know when they go to the combine, they have a group of teams that they work with. So, for example, the Cowboys might be in the same pod with the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Saints. You know, the the Eagles, I mean, they're, they're a working group of doctors and trainers. And Jim Maurer, the trainer, does an excellent job of getting all the medical grades from all the teams. So if you get a situation where all of a sudden you're seeing Farley's name as a fail on a bunch of teams, that could be strategy right there. You, you know, Jim Maurer could walk in as they're talking about this. Maurer could say, 18 teams have failed Farley on this on his back.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That could give you a little idea of like, okay, who are we battling now? Who's giving him the best grades? Who's giving him the passing grades? You know, so yeah, you could you could get a pretty good understanding of where you're where you need to maybe make this pick. But yeah, I, I listen, if 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 it comes down to Slater and Sertan and Horn and Pitts. Yeah, you're going to look at the healthy guys. You're going to look at the guys that are that have played, uh, you know. And, and and again, I can't fight Bucky anymore on Sertan. I, I just hope I hope at Pro Day at Alabama today. I hope he runs real fast. I really do.
4: That would make <laughs> me feel a lot better about the situation. Right. But you, you, you just, just said it. You just said up here earlier before we got on air and talked about you trust the tape and now you worried about the pro day workout or whatever. Oh, because, because oh. I trust the
3: tape. I trust no no, no.
0: Oh. I absolutely I absolutely trust the tape. Because, I'm just because saying
3: though, for my own for my own mind. I, I trust my eyes. I trust my eyes. Okay. I don't see a fast player. I don't oh. see a fast player. No. That's what I'm okay. saying. I don't. I it got would it. make it, I, I don't. It, I hope he proves
4: me see, wrong. I okay, hope he so, proves me
3: wrong. Because I don't see a fast player. I'm just telling
4: you that. Cal and Dave, I'm going to show you a trick. So when I go to Pro Day, normally I always have my pen. But when I go to Alabama Pro Day with Pastor 10 I'm bringing my pencil. And the reason why I'm bringing my Mm. pencil, because if he happens to clock a four five five. There's an eraser here that mysteriously can make that a four four nine right. on the card that I sent in. So, Brian <laughs> and all the higher-ups will be satisfied that he's fast enough.
1: Hey,
0: I'll, just, hey I'm just telling Brian you. Brian just I, likes –
4: Brian, will I tell do, you, he, likes the, he does high. the
3: uh,
1: 38-yard dash. No, right, no, Brian? that's what I'm saying.
0: Bucky, don't, don't worry about
3: the pencil. Keep your pen. Just give it 38 yards. Just kind of like give me 38 yards if you really want the play. Just cut that thing uh, you you know, a little bit off. No, mm-hmm. I want the – I want the kids – Trust me. Hey, what what did we what do we see with the kid Bolton from Missouri? You watch that oh, tape. And and he goes teams, out and runs yeah. four five nine four six zero. Oh. Yeah, see, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, you, you want it. Washington's the same way. He's a shorter guy. He makes a ton of plays at TCU. I'm saying yeah, the dude. eyes tell me a lot. I do. I want do I want Sertan to run fast? Yes, I do. I want to be wrong about him. I really do. I mean, you know,
4: look, I, I, I will. I will say. I will say this. There, there are a couple of things about Sertan. I like Sertan as the player. I do believe um, he has been helped by the fact that look, his dad was an All Pro player, so yeah. he understands. I think he plays. I'll the take game his dad. Like a, I think he <laughs> plays the game like a like a like a grown up. The issue that I will have, and I think look, we can't scout the helmet, but if you really go back and dig into Alabama corners. There really hasn't been a star corner to come out of Alabama. Like if we really honestly assess it, as good as Alabama has been throughout the years, there hasn't been a corner to come out of Alabama and play at a level that we're like, oh my gosh, they're just a factory producing elite cornerbacks. And so there is something to that. And so you have to be able to look and see what does it look like. I mean, even our own digs. When Diggs came in, like there were some things early in the year, you're like, I don't know, and the speed issue and those things. So I would just like to say, I, and
1: I hear you, and you're not wrong, but yeah, he's I mean, not to tell you
3: you're wrong,
4: Buck. Way
1: yeah, <laughs> all I'm saying is that's all well and good. Like, okay, you could say the same thing about Alabama safeties. Mark Barron was a huge disappointment. Ha ha, Clinton Dix, pretty disappointing. Mika, yeah. Mika Patrick. Minka Fitzpatrick kicks ass. Well, and yeah. I mean, so all it takes is for the right guy to come along and buck the trend. And I'm, so I just, I don't necessarily buy that. Yeah. That's all I'm saying.
4: No, that's a good point. I mean, I, I hey, get that. Bucky, what, he just slapped you, you around. No, but, but that's fine. But why don't you ask Brian Broaddus about Penn State corners? We're still Uh waiting on a Penn State corner to play. Like, so, Um, I mean, there's there's something (laughs) too. sometimes, like, you have to get away from, like, hey, whatever. Whereas, LSU corners, Ohio State corners begin to play. Like, there's something, I don't know if it's in the water or whatever, but there's something too. you just have to be a little leery and a little careful because are they coached up so well that they're maxed out when they get into the league? Like there's, some re- there's some reason why
3: scouts. There's some reason why scouts are doing media now
4: yep. because of Penn
3: State quarters <laughs> and defensive, Mississippi State defensive
1: tackles and all that stuff. The the, the best I, I, visual. I, I'm just go for it, Dave. Go ahead. I, I'm uh, you, Penn State put out a bunch of bum running backs too, and then That's Saquon yeah, and then Barkley. Saquon Barkley came along, and yeah, yeah Sanders
3: and isn't you, bad and either. So
4: it, maybe it's going
3: up. Yeah, Trend's going yeah, up. maybe they're yeah, figuring maybe, it out. May,
4: maybe he's going up, but. But the detracting me would say, but Saquon Barkley was on the sideline last year. Are we ever going to see the Saquon Barkley again? Uh, uh, I like Bucky's that's just a hater. He God, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who hurt you, Bucky? I'm not ready to call him Curtis Curtis Ennis or anything, but I'm just saying. I mean, Whoa, Curtis Enos. Sometimes. Oh, Curtis <laughs> Ennis. Uh, I was right about him. Jeff Lurie,
3: you you Jeff Lurie, the owner. The owner comes into the room real quick. Jeff Lurie comes in and he's been talking to other owners and you know about Curtis Ennis. And we got a second-round tag on him, and Jeff Jeff goes, Mr. Lurie goes, man, that Curtis we sure have him low, and I'm like, you know, Mr. Lurie, he's like a he's a 240-pound guy, he runs slow now, he's gonna he's gonna get bigger, he's gonna slow down, and Mr. Lurie's like, okay, okay, okay. To this day, every time Jeff Lurie sees me, he says, Brian, you were right about Curtis <laughs> So I mean. I got one guy right. I got one guy right. The visual yeah, of the
2: funny. show so far was Brian kind of perking up and getting ready to say the, the, the or what he was going to say about potential and scouting the helmet and whatnot, and then and then Bucky bringing up Penn State corners, and then Brian just kind of like soaked back into his chair and said, "You're right, you're right." That was the best visual. If you could go back you, and watch it, he's not wrong, man. It was so good.
3: You do this long. <laughs> you do this long enough, Kyle. I swear. Oh yeah. It, it, it will. You you'll have a million. You can wear. You know, you talk about wearing the albatross around your neck. You know the one. <laughs> no, you can have a slew of players. And they. You never I never. I never remember the good ones. I remember all the bad ones. Yeah. That's the one I will take to the lake. House Mm. with me. I will remember that every day.
2: Oh, I'm sure. I'm taking it to the Lake House. Let's take it to break while we got a chance to and try and get to Twitter on the 20 a little bit on time. You guys submitted 80 questions this week. It goes up every single week. This is unbelievable. But we've got some really good ones to hit when we come back on the other side of the break. You're listening to the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
0: Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Light, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah music to my ears and mouth new Dr Pepper and cream soda A delicious to wear. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Light, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
2: Back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. It's a Tuesday edition. We're already underway. Hey, we got the Twitter on the 20 in the 20s. I'm pretty happy about that. That's pretty good. Yes. Cool. On time. It. It's like the Long first time. time that we've hey, done Kyle? that ever. Let's go to Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. I, I think the sounder played in the background. What were
3: you going to say, Brian? I was going to say that our, our – Ability to answer questions. We get seventy questions and we seem to get to one or two. <laughs> yeah. Our score our scoring position. You got like you It's Got to go lightning round, man. So we're we're our percentage is terrible. <laughs> you I, I, just got to tell us
1: all to shut I'm the gonna
3: hell up. Do, I'm going to do a better job of shutting up. Okay. All right. Let's do this. How about that?
2: Let's try and get through as many of these questions as we potentially can. I'll even give us till ten forty-five to do it. So we've got twenty minutes to get as many questions in as possible. Starting we off. Go. Starting off with Brandon, he says, For Brian and Bucky, Dave, of course you can answer this as well. But he says, How much external networking is used with other teams to verify a thought on a prospect? If you have good friends from other teams, do you honestly give an opinion slash advice? Or is there a ton of smoke and mirrors between different apartments from different organizations?
4: Mm. Go for it, Bucky. Uh it depends. I wouldn't say departments. I think we all have scouting buddies that we lean on, and mm-hmm. there are certain guys that have a expertise in positions. And so there are guys that I would call on if I'm having a tough time with an offensive lineman. I may ask, hey, man, what, what do you think? Am I missing anything? Am I off? It may not necessarily change my opinion, but I'm just trying to get another perspective because I'm stuck. And I think that's very, very common when guys get stuck on a player they can't really figure him out mm. that you may lean onto like your your personal village to kind of help you along the way. When I was scouting, I had a bunch of guys, Sammy Seal and Corey Darlington and a bunch of guys that we kind of were a rat pack on the road that I knew that I could get an honest evaluation and perspective on them. And it wouldn't be one of those things where, oh, we're sharing information, don't tell. It's just one of those things where you develop friendships on the road and confidence that you trust, and so you kind of lean on those guys sometimes when you, when you do have a tough time sorting it all out.
3: Yeah, Bucky's absolutely right. There's guys that you do call up, they feel like they might have a better feel of a position. You really trust them as an evaluator. I'll tell you where you do share information. Maybe you're in a situation on a pro day where you go hit a particular school and your buddy scout hits another school and then you exchange those numbers is what you can mm-hmm. maybe do. If, you, if it's a, a small school situation, maybe you going to Tartland State or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to go get that guy and you trade it with another guy who's at a, another pro day, that, that's that's really how you work together uh, and, and make it all work. It's really a family out there. I mean, some of the guys you absolutely hate, but there's a lot of guys out there you love and, and really have a lot of respect for
1: Yeah, I've always thought, obviously like you work for a team and you want that team to be successful, but like scouts view themselves as a team, you know, like they're the, the worker bees of the NFL and, you know, you got buddies and you want each other to succeed. Right, that's the experience that I've always gotten just from being around scouts. Yeah, and from going to the Combine and having
2: those networking events and, and being around guys like Bucky and Brian who have been a part of it. I'm kind of right there with you, Dave. From the outside looking into the scouting departments of the NFL, I can see how that's the case. Okay, this one comes from Kofax, and I'm actually using this because he called me Mr. Mean Green, so I like that at off the top, so that's why I'm picking it. But it's a good question. Do you think even if the Cowboys sign one or both of the free safeties that are coming in for visits this week talking about Demonte De Kazi or Malik Hooker do you think that they will still draft safety high
1: in this draft dave so i'm just going to take this opportunity to be a smart ass and say mm. i got to see them i got to see them use a high pick on a safety before i believe it's going to happen they, they haven't done it since like uh, what 2002 Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, they did draft J.J. Wilcox in the third in 2013, but if we're talking like a top 50 pick, I got to see it to believe it. Um, But I said this on Twitter last week. If you're looking for a silver lining to the way the Cowboys run free agency, it's that they're not going to do a deal that'll stop them from drafting anybody. You know, Mm -hmm. Keanu Neal's a one-year deal. Uh, all like, I think the longest deal they've signed so far is like two years, six million for Terrell Basham. Yeah, it was the Basham deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, the, and if they sign one of these guys, I promise you it'll be a one or two year prove it deal. And So no, I mean, that's not going to stop them. I think their own biases against the safety position is what's going to stop them.
3: Yeah, I think the previous regime had something against safeties. I, I really, really do. <laughs> and so I, I feel like with Dan Quinn, they're making an effort to try and do this. Me personally, I'd like to see him sign Hooker the, from Ohio. Yeah, sure. I, why not? Same. Yeah, let's do it. I just yeah. in the, there's there's something there's something about that tape from back in the day. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and he plays a full sixteen for you. It might be tough. But I, I would that's that's the one if you're gonna go get a guy, go get him and then let's find a way to draft a guy. Those are the two that's- things I would do.
4: Because here's what also plays into why Malik Hooker would be the one. Malik Hooker is a former first-round pick. Yeah. And so sometimes a change of scenery, a different scheme, can allow him to play at that level. Yes, he has an injury history, and you have to sort through that stuff. But if you're thinking about the position that they're filling is the ornament on top of the Christmas tree, you want a guy who is a big-time center fielder, a ball hawk guys who has skills – This was a guy coming out. like They would tell you when you go back into his high school background, he was a dominant basketball Mm -hmm. player, great hand-eye coordination and athleticism. He's not that same athlete, but if you talk to Urban Urban Meyer, raved about this guy when he was coming out in terms of just how he developed and what he could be at the next level. I would be willing to give him a chance to see if he can come back healthy and man that position because you could end up getting what Dave Hellman wants, which is a top pick. You just have got him at a discount. you got a, a nice used car. Hey, and that—that
1: that is a Cowboys hallmark under Will McClay. No they doubt. love giving second chances to big-time, you know, former first-round draft picks or, you know, big-time talented big school guys who, whether it's character issues, whether it's injuries, have fallen out of favor. That's... If you asked me to guess, I'd think I think they're I think they'll try their hardest to sign Hooker if, yeah. if if they can get one of these guys. Well, and I said this on the fan
2: last night, but the reason they're coming and actually making their way to Frisco, even in the midst of the craziness, still in this socially distant COVID off season again, is because they need to check the medicals and they need to look at the physicals and try and see between these two guys which one's more more ready to play and more ready to play sixteen games, like Bucky said, and catch lightning in a bottle. If everything's even between the two and everybody's good, I would still pick Hooker, but I don't know. That's my biggest question because if they end up signing Kazi, that means I think that they saw something in Hooker's medicals that scared them into doing something a little bit more long-term. Now. This next question comes from Patrick Drew on Twitter. He said, I'm interested in terms of rating the offensive line in this year's class compared to last year's class. Where would Pene Sewell and Rashawn Slater rank compared to the four top 15 picks that the 2020 class had? Bucky Brooks.
4: Mm. Those guys last year were really, really good. They were good. Yeah. Um, that guy like, in Tampa seriously. was Walter Jones to me. Mm. Yeah, Tristan Wirfs, I mean, yeah. was good. Makai Beckton was a hog. Uh, the only one was the first. <laughs> the first one to come off the board was maybe the worst out <laughs> of all of them. I look at, I look at this class. Uh, I think the top three, um, and I'm saying Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, and Elijah Verituck in whatever order you put them in, I think they all would be in that, that conversation. I think there is a bit of a drop-off. After that, when you talk about Darshaw and Jenkins and right. whoever else you want to kind of throw in that conversation, even though I'm hearing um, right. the Notre Dame kid is yeah. flying Eichenberg. Like, they're talking about seven offensive tackles that can go in the first round. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean... I
3: told I mean, you this. I, I said this about this guy. Man. Yeah, you guys didn't listen him. to me at all. I yeah. told you You he, like he, he, he was a pet cat guy. I mean, we had this conversation three weeks ago. Yep. You guys need to yeah, listen to the old, old man a little bit. <laughs> <more>. <mean, laughs> the
4: old man <laughs> had so, it. So, I mean, I mean, the old man, Like you, you're claiming pet cats in darn year <laughs> December. I mean, like. I mean, like, we haven't even done the full grade in evaluation. Oh no, man God. knows.
3: man. He had the vision. I had the vision of the player.
4: You <laughs> I mean, said he was
1: like a second or third round pick when yeah. we talked about this. Second
3: round, yep. I have him on. He's to my he's to my number one player in the second round. Number okay. one player in the second round.
1: Okay.
4: He's, he's, well, I mean, if you're going to give him the 6-9 grade, you might as well give him a 7-0. Like, I mean,
3: I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, have him right I I like Shaw. I like Shaw. I like Shaw more. I like Shaw. I like that big body there. He, I uh, like that big body I, I guy, do, man. He's going to be one, too. Watch him.
2: I want to put this out yeah. there just really quickly. Whenever I submitted the rankings for the draft magazine, Eichenberg was a little bit further down than I would like him to be. I've seen him raise because I went back and watched him. No, I went back and watched him. <laughs> that was the other thing is I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I was not very really impressed, and then I went back yeah. and watched him a little bit more, oh. and I was a little more impressed. So, I don't know. That i well, my that's, big thing. And
1: yeah. I'm not taking I'm not taking a shot at Kyle, but – people get prompted they're like you know they see no it it happened and that's what you know i love i love draft media it's so much fun i love working with with y'all and everybody else that's that you know on twitter but you grade a guy and then you know around this time of year people are talking about him as a first round pick and you're like oh crap i guess i need to take another look and you go back and you're like oh yeah, yeah okay Right. You I think, a week,
3: now I see You could spend a week going back and looking at players that you mm-hmm. should have looked at in a different yeah, line. I, I think the
4: other thing with Eichenberg, and like we've kind of lumped into this scouting the helmet conversation, yeah. but here's the thing Notre Dame offensive linemen and their success <laughs> rate. Yep. Been, yeah. They yes. have done yeah. a great job of producing. Yeah. And so when you get in there and you hear a hey, great leader, control the O line room, right. smart, tough, has a bunch of right. stars under his belt, uh, you then think about the coaching and what he's been exposed to. You're like, yeah, like, I mean, worst case, he's just gonna be an okay starter, but you get all of the good things, and so that's why if you're at the bottom of the first round and you're like, maybe they can't see the City Chiefs are down at 30 or whatever, like, yeah. you know, I, I can't go wrong, like, he's right. not necessarily. Right. an exceptional player but he's pretty good so we'll take him no, in the no. first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: that's the you know I I was I was impressed by him though. And again, I I didn't have the guts to put him in the first, but I <laughs> I, I knew that he needed I knew that he needed to be the, Again, I love that Virginia Tech kid. I really do. There's No,
4: Darshall. I mean, Darshall yeah. is great. I think yeah. the, the one that I'm still hanging is uh Jenkins from Oklahoma Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I like look, he's he's a first round player. He's going in the first round. Just that. I was worried. Like, sometimes, like, I mean, like, I like to see guys move people. off the ball. And I know in the Big 12, no one's really doing that. I know it's like seven on seven with the little bodies in front, but I don't know. I kind of like to see them move people.
3: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right. <laughs> I'm with you. It's a rare thing to see people move people, yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> All right. This next can, question. Can, can he move the furniture? Yeah. Uh,
2: this next question comes from Tim. He said, if you were the Cowboys, and if they were... To package their second-round pick and one of their third-round picks to get back into the first round. One is that possible, and two, who could you see the Cowboys potentially targeting if that were the case?
1: Mm. I think the answer is definitely yes. Yeah, I mean, if a top fifty pick, and then you know, regardless of which one you use, it's another top one hundred pick. I mean,
3: forty-four and seventy-five will get you to Washington at nineteen.
1: Mm. Wow, I would do that. That's amazing. If you're
3: telling me J. C. Horn is there, give
2: it to me, and then I'll already have picked Brashawn Slater at ten. Who?
3: I, you know, what? I don't know why the Cowboys, to be honest with you, and I know this—we're talking about draft. I don't know why the Cowboys don't use one of those compensatory threes, fours, or their five, and try and go get an established player from another team. That you know, instead of saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, we're looking at hurt safeties," uh, get, go offer a third-round pick for a young, a young real safety. A guy that's already been playing. You think and stuff the cap like plays into See, that can, though? Because that's my thing. Nah, is, it probably is, does. I, I know I'm just throwing it out there like that, but to me, you earn those compensatory picks. You earn those. Take them and mm. if you got to move them to go back into this thing, yeah. If you take pits at ten and you jump back in there and grab one of those corners, you say you grab Newsom or somebody like that. You know that it's that's in that spot. Heck yes. Yeah, let's go. Let's get back in there. You know, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and just say, okay, let's pick at 75 and 99. No, uh-uh. I'm going. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and grab some of these players uh, off my board.
1: Brian can't stand like letting the draft come to him, which is weird <laughs> because he admires he admires Baltimore so much, and that's what Baltimore does every year. But every year, Brian wants to get rid of all of his picks.
3: I want to move in a way. I want to move to get better players. Is what I want mm-hmm. to do. That's that's all I'm asking to do. Baltimore is the Baltimore and like Pittsburgh. They sit there and like, well, the, what's the number one need for Baltimore? Oh, they need a tight end. They win the Super Bowl and then they get the best tight end to fall to them at thirty-two. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, maybe that's, if you that's, weren't trying to get rid of all your picks, you
1: could do that too.
3: Nah, I. Mm-hmm. You know what? The the, Cowboys, the Baltimore's roster is better than your roster. They, yes. You saw That's that true. last year with your own eyes. Yes,
1: come definitely. on, definitely. Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, agree. It, I, if I'm going to beat Baltimore, it's not going to be sitting around waiting for me to pick somebody at 75 or somebody at 99. It's not it is.
1: Happen. I honestly, I see the appeal, and and what y'all just said. You know, you can tie that to the tackle conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you tell me. If you tell like let's let's just say they draft Sertan at ten because I think that's what they would prefer to do. I think they're do. going to take
3: Sertan. Yeah, too. I think yeah. It.
1: If he's there, I think he's the I think he's the pick. And so you draft him at ten, and Genberg or Tevin Jenkins is hanging around at like twenty six. Yeah. Package 44 and, uh, and 99. 99 and get up there and get yourself a tackle. I wouldn't hate
4: that at all. Yeah. I'd be in favor of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think what you have to do to, to execute it, like Brian talks about, I think you have to have your handful of players. Like you have to have a bag right. of players that, that right. you would like to get. Um, and we do these exercises um, throughout the time as it gets closer to the draft where, hey, what does my ideal first two days look like? If I have this player, this player, and that player, how would you feel on the day? Or what about this combination of players? I think you have to have a handful of guys that you would like to identify as these are the guys that we would really like to have. And you should have a handful of them in each round. And if you can get in range to get those guys, get them. I am all about players over picks. Like yeah. I, I know the lottery tickets and any anybody can come out of it, but I would much rather have the players that I want. As opposed to just sitting on a bunch of picks that I'm just picking guys just to be picking them.
3: Well, I, the, the whole thing, Kyle, I'll end with this real quick. Uh, you know, I said I was going to be brief, and I'll <laughs> try. The the thing that I I don't want to sit there after day two and going into day three, which is the scouts day. You mm-hmm. know, the scouts day is that day three. Day two, I don't want to be looking at all the tags that are picked and looking at someone else's team and going, "Damn, they drafted better than me today." Mm-hmm. Damn, <laughs> you know. They, you know and, and and if it's somebody, I always did that with the Chargers. The Chargers were always the team that I would look at and go, damn, they drafted better than me today. You know, and I don't want that. I want to be the one that says, my grades on that board, my grades on those tags are better than anybody else's grades on those tags. You know, I I admire teams that can move around and and find spots. Mm -hmm. Bucky's right. You know, your defense is a liability, go fix it. You know, And if it means moving around and doing some things, go fix it. Yeah, and I think They'll it's likely
2: that you're going to see the Cowboys be aggressive in that fact, especially in day two and day three because you have ten picks. You have ten picks right now, which, by right. the way, salary cap-wise, is going to a lot about $11 million. If you cut that down to eight picks and you package a couple to go up, yeah. Then you'd have less people to pay. I mean, I know the money is different and the allotment is different from the different rounds, but it could play out in the fact that hey, instead of paying ten players, you're going to pay seven players. But you went up and got a couple of top right. name guys, and you're able to kind of maneuver your way around. I think it's very likely the Cowboys, and it may not be 44 and 75 or 44 and 99. It may be two of their or their fourth round picks, or it might be two of their sixth round picks going up and trying to go get somebody else. So I think it's it's possible the movement is going to be there now this is the uh, we might get two more questions in have you guys seen Jamar Johnson safety Jamar Johnson and he is out of Indiana anybody watched him yet? what's the school I have not no no, what was the school? Indiana, Indiana, Jamar Johnson. So I'm going to skip this question. No, I no. Basically, that's the homework assignment: is go watch him because apparently Lance <laughs> Zerline has him as the number two safety on the board, um, and somebody was asking us. Wow, about GC was okay. asking us. So hey, that's our I homework assignment: is watching hard.
3: Yeah, can I ask a real quick question? What What's the situation with Perkins from Oklahoma? What's What's uh, his What's his story, Bucky? You got something on him,
4: Perkins? I mean, the I just know my podcast partner Daniel Jeremiah Mm. fell in love with him Uh and started throwing his name out, and Uh like I know that caused some buzz until the pro day, and then he worked out, and then all the buzz quieted because he didn't run really fast. Um, (laughs) He had flashed a little bit, like he flashed a little bit of activity at Oklahoma. I think he had five and a half sacks and those things played six
3: games yeah there's something there's something that you have to dig in on that he wanted to try to address I was saying the tape to me there's some positive things about the tape I had not heard I, I watched him last night because I'd heard a little of the buzz you're talking about mm-hmm. but I, I don't you know people were talking about him like a first or second round guy. That's not the case in my opinion. But I was yeah. just curious if there was something more that I was missing there. but there's there's he only played six games and he said, hey I, I have to mature, I have to be better. I made a oh. mistake. And so uh, I mean,
4: he's trying to yeah. get on the front end of whatever's about yeah, to come out in yeah, their background. Mm-hmm. I just wondered it's if anybody had heard that. Yeah. yeah, okay. It must, it must be something yeah. in the background that he's trying to get Got ahead you. of. Gotcha. All right, Kyle. I'm sorry about, yeah, had to no, ask about that.
2: Yeah, That was a great question, and and that's somebody I know the Cowboys have at least looked that direction at. Um, now, yeah. this next question comes from Landy McBride on Twitter. He said. What are we supposed to think of Jason Away, the edge rusher from Penn State? I mean, we were talking about Mm. Penn State corners a little bit early on. He said "All, all of the physical traits of a very good pass rusher without the production, what round could he potentially end up going in? And that's about right. He didn't have a single sack in 2020 after having five the season prior. The production just wasn't there. But, I mean, he's a fun one to watch on tape, Brian.
3: Yeah, he is, and you know, and I mean, he's he's really got ideal size. I mean, if you talk, you talk about those edge type players, I know going in, I had him. He might be bigger. The measurements might have changed. I'm at 6'5", 255. But man, I did see a guy that can attack the corner. I saw a burst of the way he played. The lateral agility I thought was really really good. The change of direction. There's some there's some problems though with this guy finding the ball, and mm-hmm. I. I was like man physically everything checks off and then all of a sudden it's like whoa ball went by him or whoa what's he looking at or you know he's locked up with a blocker trying to get off and I you know if you could get the Ohio State game that's one to watch where he's had several of those mistakes and Ohio State's got a good offensive line but I mean man he he could force turnovers he's got the ability but I just wonder, though, and I'm not saying the mental, but what is he really seeing as he's playing the game? And, and I, I don't know if anybody else saw the player in the similar similar fashion than me.
4: Uh, Brian, I think his biggest issue, I don't know if he's played a lot of football. I think he was yeah. late to the party yeah. when it came might to it. Might be a problem. Um, that might be the problem. Yeah, yeah. I, think, yeah. I, think, I think he may have only played one or two years in high school um, coming over. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know how much exposure he has. Like, um, we did an interview where we talked to him, and he talked about, you know, I would, because the question was, why should someone view you as a first-round pick, this and that, when you don't have production? And his response in a roundabout way was, look, my best football is ahead of me. I see the athleticism and all the tools that I have and putting it together and those things, which isn't necessarily what you want to hear, but that was his thing. He hasn't played a lot of ball, and so what he is is a height, weight, speed, Dude, he's a great athlete who has tremendous activity and not a lot of achievement when it comes to being able to get the quarterback to the ground. And right. so where do you take a chance of that from I'm not comfortable taking yeah. a guy like that in the first round. I typically would prefer my projects outside of the first round. But yeah. if you're saying in the second round, we're looking for a pass rusher, okay, let's throw a dart and let's see if he can hit because he is going to run like the wind. He's going to jump like Superman yeah. and all those other things, but now can you teach him to put his hand in the dirt and go make plays? I don't know if that necessarily can be taught. I think some of that is a natural feel, a natural instinct. I don't know how much of that you can teach a player, mm-hmm. you know
3: yeah
1: two I, thoughts, I, yeah I one. Do, do. Oh no! Sorry, go ahead, Brian.
3: No, no, that's it. I, I, I had him in the second round. I thought, I, I, I thought it was really. I thought I was maybe too harsh on him, but, mm. but I didn't know all about the not playing football very much. But I just saw a guy though. When you, when you don't find the ball well enough for me, then I don't know how I can put you in the first round. That's the first thing Man, that came tough. to me.
1: I cannot remember a year where I like I, I don't think I love any of the prominent edge rusher prospects in this entire class. Like which I don't remember a year where that happened. Like there's usually at least one guy that you're kind of juiced about and I don't I don't see it this year. Yeah, and I'll steal the line right from Bucky like if you if you're not producing in college, I'm terrified about gambling that you're going to produce at a higher mm-hmm. level and if he's a if he's a high ceiling developmental guy, that's awesome. I'm not trying to say the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders, but this is a roster that can you mm-hmm. know contend to win the NFC East and put you in the playoffs if you'd make some good draft picks this year. I want safe players. Like this team should be drafting safe players. That's why honestly, I feel great about drafting Patrick Sertan because he might not get you super excited, but I think he's a safe prospect, and I don't the last thing I want to do is spend a big pick on a guy who's going to need a red shirt year. Like this is not, yeah, so, this ain't the year for that, for the yeah, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah.
4: So I think, Oh, Oh, played two years in high school. Um, he was a big time, obviously recruit. He was number two in New Jersey when he came out. But you know, like when you deal with the recruiting things, a lot of it is on potential. So size, when you see someone potential. his size with his athleticism and all that other stuff. Um, that makes it. I mean, that makes it easy to give those guys a, a high ranking. But I am worried now. James Franklin would say, "Hey, he kept he put consistent pressure on the quarterback, and he did all those things, and he was always around the ball, and you know he impacted the game and other areas." But Dave, going to your thing, Ozzie Newsome, I used to sit up the in the at the combine. You know where those guys just sit up high in the perch, and I would sit there and they would dispense knowledge, and they would always say, "Guys who sacked the quarterback in college, they sacked the mm-hmm. quarterback." in the pros there's something about guys who can get it down and if they do it in multiple seasons because it's not just one year wonder if they do it in multiple seasons where you can track their production that those are the guys that will do it in the pros and so production matters when it comes to pass rushers all that activity and leaping tall buildings in a single bound can i get the quarterback to the ground and can you do it over multiple years if you do that More than likely, you're going to do the same thing in the pros. I
2: I said this last week right as we were signing off, but I always learn something from these shows, and that was one thing I learned last year, Bucky. The first show we ever did in the hotel room in Mobile, Alabama, at the Holiday Inn or whatever it was, it was whenever you said, if you sack the quarterback in college, there's a good chance you could sack him in the pros. And since then, I've, I've it, it's been locked in my brain. And that's what I thought whenever I saw Owe as well. Is, man, I, I, that's not there. It's not there. I like everything else, everything that Brian was talking about. And I still would take him probably in the third. That's probably the sweet spot for him for mm-hmm. me. But, man, I, I can't put him any higher than that if he had zero sacks in a good amount of yeah. snaps. That's my biggest thing for it. Uh,
4: Brian's going. Brian's going to hate me because this is like the lazy coach scout analysis. <laughs> Let somebody else develop him. I'm not mm. in the process. Yeah. Because by the by the time I get him to be a good player, yeah. he's going somewhere else as a free agent. True. Yeah. Yep. I, I hate to say it, but I want guys that are close to being plug and play. Right. Especially to right come now. Come in. I want to be able to put him in the lineup yeah. and, and get everything. I I don't want to spend a whole lot of time developing someone for somebody else. Right. And so. Owe may be a good player, but if I'm shopping, I'm, I'll shop in another aisle. Like, I'm fine. I'll, I'll go another aisle. Like, he's, he's a great athlete, but I want someone. Who has that?
2: Let's go ahead and take our second break. Another fantastic Twitter on the 20. Hey, we got to, like, what, six questions? That's a lot more than we ever have, I think. Man, on that's this show. amazing.
4: That's pretty Amazing good. when I
3: shut up, how, we,
0: how that <laughs> works, yeah.
2: <laughs> well done, everybody. Let's pat ourselves on the back. When we come back, we'll wrap things up and talk to you about a switch on the draft show lineups that will be coming next week. We'll talk about it next here on the draft show.
0: Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces.
1: The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and 5 championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing. The star where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way.
0: It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit ATT.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could
2: size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his
0: unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys, and Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces is the DallasCowboys.com
2: Draft Show. Final segment here to the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show as always presented by Miller Lyon. We've got about six Minutes left in show and we will hit the lineup switch-ups, the switcheroos that Derek has just rained down upon all of us here on the draft show in which we will enact starting next week but first Dave I wanted to kind of, you brought it up in our group message, wanted to get your thoughts on the recent signings I mean a lot of defensive line help coming in off the free agency market of course Keanu Neal, you have the couple safeties that we've already talked about that are on their way in to, to at least meet with the Cowboys but do you see any of these free agents even remotely affecting what the draft plan is for the Cowboys because last year they shored up the holes could take best player available haven't seen a cornerback taken yet is that something that you could look at
1: um well they i mean they resigned Jordan Lewis which yeah True. he's not an outside free agent but i do i think that's worth noting just because and i'm not trying to sell anybody that this is a good idea but Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown, and Trayvon Diggs at least gives you a trio of guys who have started NFL games. You know, again, significant yourself. time. I said it in the last. Yeah, I said it in the last segment. I don't think they've done anything that would preclude them from making a pick. Like you know, these are not mm-hmm. crazy investments, and that's what the Cowboys love to do. They paper over their holes with cheap signings, and then they try to get the real value in the draft. I do think. The stuff they've done along the defensive line is really interesting because, just in terms of bodies, and again, to be fair, these are not deals like they, these guys don't have to make the team. Uh, you know, haha, Clinton Dix got cut last year. For the amount of money they're spending, there's no guarantee that all these guys will be on the roster. But when you look at Brent Urban. You add that to the duo of Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore. Antoine Woods got his tender, so he's likely back. It makes me wonder what they think about this defensive tackle class. And, you know, obviously, when you have 10 picks, you can use them on a lot of different guys. Maybe they draft a guy on day three. But we've talked about how there aren't a lot of crazy great D tackles at the top of this draft. It makes me wonder if they spend extra time adding bodies to that to make sure that they don't need to draft one. That's mm. kind of the impression that I got. Yeah,
0: talking
3: to guys around the league who do pro evaluations, we're really high on the Urban signing. Yeah. They, they love that one. That was They feel like the Cowboys hit a home run on that one. Watkins, not so much. Word came out today, though, Florida State Pro Day, they had their defensive line coach down there working out some of their prospects. Maybe Wilson, yeah, the Marvin big tackle Wilson will be involved yeah. in those mix. So keep an eye on that. If you're sending coaches out to work guys out, you're generally trying to get their opinion and their idea on if they could, if they feel like that those guys can play. So uh, yeah, I uh, Will McClay loves to protect himself. He does. I mean, he's going to say, okay, I'm going to sign a guy with the thought of okay, I can still draft somebody. I, I don't think they're married to any of these guys. But again, talking to what I call my gang of seven uh, guys around the league that uh, give me information about these players, mm-hmm. they really do like what the Cowboys did at defensive tackle. With, I would say with, mm-hmm. with Urban and then Basham as well. Uh, they feel like that Basham, if he gets back to where his weight was when he was with uh, when he came out, uh, you know, at two sixty five, two seventy, right around there, that he might even be a better player. But they, they were very complimentary of those guys.
4: You know, Dave, I think what you want to always be able to do is you want to be able to line up and play. If we were to play a game today, Mm -hmm. can we line up and play? So when you think about Lewis and Brown and Diggs, it gives us an opportunity to line up and play right now. Now, when it comes to the draft, that won't prevent you, as you said, from drafting another player. But at a minimum, you have a starting lineup where you feel like you can be competitive. And so that's why some of these things are there. The only signing that I think might impact it The Keanu Neal thing is interesting to Mm. me because moving him to weak side linebacker, I'm wondering, what does that mean? Does that mean in base package, he's the guy that is displaced over the slot receiver, kind of being a big nickel player? And does it mean when they do go to their quote-unquote nickel package, who comes out the game? Is that Jalen Smith off the field? Yeah. Now, is, is keanu neal lve a nickel corner and the rest of the crew so i'm mm. I'm, I'm curious to see that because we're seeing more teams use that will linebacker as a hybrid player and to me they're saying a lot without saying anything by saying oh we're moving keanu neal to weak side linebacker oh you mean hybrid you mean he's yeah. the big nickel safety yep so now what does that mean when we put yeah the, the real nickel package on the field
3: yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Bucky. I think they take Jalen Smith off the field. I think Keanu Neal is going to play strong safety. You know, and you talk to people mm-hmm. around the league about him, though, they will say really good run defender, physical, you want mm-hmm. him down there. Don't want him in coverage, though. They Even right. covering tight ends and stuff like that is a liability for him. Playing in space could be a little bit of a liability from what I heard. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to be Van Der Esch, Neal playing down, bringing nickel on. And then mm. and then try and play it that way, but I, so he's I think a, in early downs, I think in early downs they're going to keep Jalen Smith on the field.
4: Yeah, he so he's the dime backer. Keanu yeah. Neal is the yeah. dime backer. Yep. If he's exactly. out there in bases, whatever, but exactly when they go dime, he's the dime backer. He's coming right. in there and he's he's right. near the line of scrimmage because they want a more athletic defense. I think that's the thing that showed up last year. More speed is needed on oh, you. have yeah. to be faster and more athletic to be able to compete. You got to be agile Which, and he didn't so have that.
1: Change of direction was a problem yeah. for this defense last year. Yeah. We know they're not doing They let his salary guarantee. I don't think that's a huge surprise. But mm. I also, you know, when I hear that Neil's going to play linebacker, I think it's a little bit simplistic. Like, yeah, Jalen Smith is still going to play a ton of snaps. But. Yeah, even if, even if Keanu Neal's specialty isn't coverage, you need better athleticism when teams yep. go small and yep. fast, and I right. think that's what that is. Yep.
2: Now, we are going over time, but I did want to hit this really quickly. We will have different lineups as of next week. Now, this is still proposed, so this can still change, but Tuesday's show next week on the Draft Show, Brian brought us along with the great Dane Brugler and Jeff Kavanaugh, oh. Are the three that you get? Yeah, you only do five hours of radio with Jeff a day, Brian. You ready to do another one on the draft show next
3: <laughs> week? I mean, I'll tell you point. what, man, that that, that crew is going to beat me up. Man. You <laughs> think Bucky gets after me, man? The crew's going to, going to wear me out. Yeah, the
4: second crew next uh, I, I Thursday I don't, I
2: don't. will be Bucky, Dave, and KT. Sorry to cut you off
4: there, Bucky. Oh no, no! I don't. I don't be Brian up at all. I like it. Like it's, it's a love fest. Like I've been going hard at, at Hellman for the last. I was gonna weeks, say y'all been <laughs> beating me, now, me up, but now, but now I'm like I can't even say I'm team LSU because you guys are goat Tigers all the time. Yeah, you know? that's right. Mm, that's right.
2: That's okay. That's unfortunate. Not playing
1: basketball anymore, but that's all right because yeah. neither's Carolina. Don't worry about that. Don't Oof. worry
3: about that. Yeah.
1: Oof. Yeah, goodness gracious! Well, neither's North Texas either, Kyle. Hey, so, hey, at least we season. made it to the
3: second His
4: round.
2: Come on now, it's yeah, whatever. Football it's, season. It's draft season now. It's hey, I'm gonna, it's cool.
3: I'm gonna miss you guys. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss you guys though. You guys do a great job on that Thursday show. I'll be. I'll be watching. I know you guys will.
1: You guys. Do we'll great. keep in touch. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. We're Please
2: all do. in <laughs> a group text already, so it'll it'll stay the same. But that's gonna do it for us here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Hope you learned something here over the last hour. I certainly did. But want to thank Chris in the back. The great Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, and David Hellman. I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. We'll see you Thursday on the Draft Show.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!